My name is Julia Hosher and if you haven't listened to this podcast before, then I want to wish you a very, very warm welcome. And if you have, welcome back. I'm really excited about this week's episode. I know I am every single week, but I have awesome guests on all the time, which is just exciting. So (laughs) it's Lindsay. Lindsay is the founder of Mama's Little Helpers, which you've probably heard of. Lindsay founded the food catcher that attached themselves to the IKEA chairs. They're bloody amazing. Anyway, I'm so proud of her because I think that's such a great invention and it's such a cool thing for single mums to start their own businesses and really, you know, do it do it for themselves. I think it's phenomenal. Anyway, the episode is going to make you laugh and cry. So I hope you enjoy it. I just listened back to it and I was laughing one minute and then in tears the next. So I really love it. And before I play it for you, I just wanted to also let you know that you've got two more days to register for the Single Mother Survival Guide City to Surf team if you're in Sydney, Australia. We would absolutely love to have you join us. So you probably know what it is if you live in Sydney, but for those that don't, it's a 14-kilometre run from the Sydney CBD to the iconic Bondi Beach. So I'm not a runner, I actually don't like running at all, so I'm going to walk it. (laughs) And we are raising money for the Lakahi Foundation, which is an amazing charity set up by a fellow single mum who was also on this podcast. Her name is Rachel Natoli. You should listen to that episode. I think it was episode number six. And she set up this charity to help domestic violence victims empower them, get empowered basically. So she does that through providing caseworkers, which are just there to provide support the whole way through. So I'm really, really proud of her for setting this up. And I really want to support the Lakahi Foundation as much as I can. So join our team, help us raise money for this amazing charity. And if you aren't in Sydney or you can't walk with us, then if you have any spare $5 or something to donate, that would be amazing. I will put the link to that in the show notes, along with the link to register if you want to join our team. So we would absolutely love to have you. And I just wanted to say a very big thank you to everybody who voted for me in the Oz Mumpreneur Awards. As I record this, I'm not sure yet whether I've become a finalist or not. So I'll let you know next time, but I really appreciate your voting. And I also really appreciate you voting for me in the Mummy Blogger Awards too. And if you haven't had the chance to do it, I'll put that link in the show notes as well. I'd be very grateful. Um, On a just side note, what's happening with me lately, my daughter is currently away with her dad. Um, He came to pick her up last week on Thursday. He arrived at 7.30 in the morning. And of course, we had a huge fight within him being here of five, five minutes, it was. And I was just like, oh, are you serious? Like (laughs) it's 7.30 in the morning. You've been here for five minutes and I've just woken up. I just don't have the energy. Um, Anyway, I was very adamant that I had to get out of the house at 8.30 because I just didn't want them hanging around for hours on end. And as you guys know, well, regular listeners will know that we've now agreed that we will not stay at each other's houses anymore because he's in Perth and I'm in Sydney. So, 
he's taken her away to Port Stephens for a few days. And by the time this is released on Wednesday, they'll be back. So I'll be super excited again. But um, I'm trying to make the most of this time with her away. You know, I don't get the time to myself very often. So as much it is, as much as it is hard, I am trying to just focus on rejuvenating and hanging out with friends. You know, last night I went speed dating, which was, to be honest, not great. My head wasn't really in it and I actually left before the speed dating even started, which <laughs> is not really like me, but I just wasn't really in the mood and I just kept thinking about my couch and my ugly <laughs> So I came home and watched a bit of television and had a glass of red wine, which was nice and relaxing. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm not one to, I hate when I say that I'm going to do something. I hate backing out. And I'd, I'd already told, you know, four of my other single mum friends that I was going to come. So I did go, but um, yeah, in the end, I just thought, you know what, I'm not really in the right headspace for this at the moment. So I'm going to go home. And I was there for almost two hours and I hadn't started yet. So um, anyway, and then this weekend, which when you hear this will be last weekend, I'm going down to Molly Mook for my friend Taria Pitt's 30th birthday, which is going to be fab. She's been on this podcast too. You can listen to it. Um, can't remember at the top of my head now what episode number that was, but have a search for it in the feed and you'll find it. Uh, she's an amazing inspirational woman who, if you don't know of her, got burnt in a bushfire in 2011, was burnt to 64% of her body, completely rebuilt her life. She's now a motivational speaker and an author and, you know, a blogger and humanitarian. And she's just a phenomenal, phenomenal woman. And she's also preggers. So she's having a little baby boy. She's very excited. So anyway, um, I'm really looking forward to that this weekend. She's having a Viking raid party, which, you know, only Taria would do that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've got my costume. Very excited about that. Coming back on Sunday, going out for dinner with some other girlfriends. And Monday and Tuesday, I'm just sort of gearing up for my daughter's return, getting back into work. And um, yeah, very, very excited that she's coming home. Anyway, um, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. I love Lindsay. She's so open with her experience and I'm sure that a lot of you will be able to relate. You know, I could certainly relate with her experiences as well. So I'd love to know what you think. Um, and yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. On the show with me today, I have Lindsay Bramble. Lindsay, I met through my online single mothers group back in, I don't even know, 2014 or something probably. And um, she's got two beautiful boys and I really wanted to have her on my podcast because I think it's so great for other single mums to hear from other single mums to realise that they're not so alone. And Lindsay has also had a lot of success in her business, which she created being a single mum. We'll talk about that in a minute. But thank you so much for being here, Lindsay, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very I, excited to be here. Yay, I'm so happy to have you. So first of all, tell me, how long have you been a single mum for? Um, so I'm coming up on three years. Um, June 2014, July 2014, we yeah. separated and then we divorced the divorce went through early last year. Yeah. It's a relief when that comes through, isn't it? 
It was, I was, yeah, it's funny when I, when I left, I was very much like, well, I'm, I'm never intending to meet anyone and I certainly wouldn't remarry and I don't need to get divorced. It's, it's just a piece of paper. But as the process goes and, you know, it becomes more and more difficult and emotional and aggressive and, you know, in some aspects quite scary, that that separation was so, so important for me. It was it's quite huge. symbolic, I think. Yeah, that's just a piece of paper. It it is like when I again when I first left, I was like, oh, I'm going to totally keep your name, and and within a month, I was like, I can't write that name ever again. I'm bramble through and through once more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I think it's important. I think there's always sort of. I mean, I was never married to my daughter's dad, but. Um, you know, from women that I've spoken to, it is quite symbolic. I think it there's this sort of tie that you will always have if you, I mean, yeah. obviously you're tied to them anyway because you've got children, but it just gives you that extra bit of sense of freedom, I think, of just being on your own. Yep, which I, I think especially in certain breakups where there was a lot of control aspect of it, that for me that was really, really important of, no, I'm standing on my own two feet and, and there is nothing emotionally that will tie that to me anymore. Yeah. That was, exactly. yeah, exactly what I needed. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So tell me about, tell me about the relationship history with your ex. So how did you meet? Uh, well, we actually met, well, it was about 18, 20 years ago. We were, went to acting school together. So oh, wow. I was a, yeah, I was a stage manager and he, um, he came in, in a part-time course, he came in to be my assistant, <laughs> wow. my assistant stage manager. We weren't <laughs> great friends. I actually, to be perfectly honest, and, and I would have said this to him a million times, he used to follow me around like a puppy. <laughs> I was not a fan and I thought, I thought he's got a great smile, but he's, he's quite stupid. so so, you know that 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 just went on and we ran into each other on the street maybe a decade later wow and and yeah we just started talking and then swapped numbers and then went to dinner and became pretty good friends and then I was seeing someone he was seeing somebody so we fell out of touch and something happened and we um we caught up again and then it was just all in and all on. And it, wow. yeah, romantically, like it felt like it was that, that supposed to be, you know, the people coming together in and out. And that just, when we started, I was, I was just head over heels. It was amazing. Yeah. And so, so how was, long we, and so how long, when did you get married? <laughs> uh, Quite soon. Yeah, yeah, we so we started dating in the February of 2011. We were pregnant by the June of 2011 and we were married by the October. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of um relationships that don't end well, it, there's always a whirlwind beginning. Yep. And, and it's it always was. sucked in and it's just like it just you really do get swept off your feet. Yeah. Yeah. I remember on my wedding day thinking this is amazing. I don't have a skerrick of doubt. This is just, wow. this is exactly it. And I've never made a decision in my life that I didn't have just a small doubt. So now I know never to do anything where I think is completely right every day because <laughs> <laughs> I've never done it before yeah. and I'll never do it again. <laughs> yeah, oh but it was, it was like it was magical in, in that respect. We were talking, we, we went from, you know, date two to 
talking about buying houses together and, and marriage and what the future would look like. And so when the pregnancy, which, which God love him, my oldest, was of, of course not planned, when that happened, it wasn't even a question um, for me that it was not going to just progress where our life was planning to go anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, And yeah. so what happened? How did it come to an end? So it was three years later that you... Three, yeah, three years yeah. later. We didn't, we didn't make our third wedding anniversary. Um, mm. It was just, it, it started very, well, I think it probably started a lot longer than I had realised, but there was just lots of aspects of it that weren't great. Like it was, there was a lot of aggression. There was, um, I was being spoken down to a lot. I was being put down a lot. Um, I remember being heavily pregnant with my second child and we'd had an argument about something because I'd been, I'd created something that I was really proud of and the first thing he did was come in and insult it. Mm. Oh, the screw's off here. And Mm. it just became an argument of of, you can't keep speaking to me like that because you are my person. I'm in the house with the baby. You're my adult. So if you come into the house and tell me that I'm no good, that's going to become my voice in my head. Yes, absolutely. Um, So I knew very early on that that was sort of, that w- was what was happening, but you know, nothing was ever done to change it, and it, it just got worse to the point that I thought, okay, this is this is really bad now. And um, I was talking to a few professionals, and they labelled it, and I thought, yeah, it's never going to change, and it's time to go. Yeah, um, and it was it was hard, like especially once somebody had said to me, you know, this is. This is abuse. This is domestic violence with everything that was co- constantly coming on. I, I was, you, you don't want to have that discussion at the very beginning. You don't want to believe it because it is always still that thought of, of they'll never hit me and, and, and he used to always say, but I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not as bad as this. And you get someone constantly telling you that you should be grateful that they're not as bad as someone is, who is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um, they, yeah, especially um, emotional abuse, they really start to, it makes you question your own perspective of things. Oh, so much. And it, yeah. took, it took a while, like a long time for me to really come to terms with it. And now, because I think a lot of, a lot of single moms, especially getting out of this, this sort of relationship, it's just all about research. Mm. You, re- you research, you know, certain personality disorders, you research um, DV, you research these, these abuses, abuse factors and you go, okay, I'm going to take all of this information now and now I can see what's really happening. Yeah. And it, it changes everything, you know, your confidence within yourself. You know, I think to be perfectly honest, even three years on, if I have a bad week, that still, that negativity still does become the voice in my head but I'm fighting through it and I know, I know when I hear it that that's not my voice. Yeah, that's exactly. not my belief system. That's not who I, who I am or who I think I am. Yes. Um, yeah, so, but it's, it is there and it's, it's also really hard because at the beginning I felt, I felt really sorry and compassionate towards my ex because no matter how bad it was, I, I did still really want it to work like I still really wanted to have my family with my boys and my husband all in the same 
house. Yeah. But, you know, the more I started to say this is an issue, the more there was pushback against that instead of saying, okay, well, if this was what you feel, then let's see, let's, let's talk about it, you know. Yeah. I said to him once, I said, I, I went to um, Karatani and they said that this was domestic violence. And he was like, this is not domestic violence. You know, well, I hate these people. And I'm like, well, yeah, if someone says that, though, you go, oh, my gosh, why would they think that? How, where, where is the, like, yeah, <laughs> not, it is not, you are wrong. It's yeah, what, what am I doing that would make them think that? Think that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, that was, that was really hard. Um, and, and also was- because I think a lot of men don't realise that emotional abuse is domestic violence and it's just another form of it. There's not enough really awareness about it yet, even though there's more, it's sort of. It is, it is growing. Yeah. But I think, and even, and I even get this from women, like until you're in it, you just don't understand really what it is. I mean. You really don't. And, and even, even I, I didn't fully get it. And I, and I, I was one of those people, oh, that wouldn't happen to me because I am tough as, tough as nails Yes. and have never had a problem saying to somebody, no, don't do that. But you put a wedding ring on my finger and apparently I do. <laughs> I know. Well, domestic violence doesn't discriminate, you know, and mm. I've spoken to so many strong women, two of which, um, you know, are in the same single mums group wearing yep. um, Nadia and Rachel yep they are both very very strong women and you know you just don't you think if you that sort of personality type and you're very sort of headstrong independent and no that's not going to happen to me well it does sometimes and you it just, does and it's a, sometimes it's a slow process so you don't even realize that you're in it properly until it's too late until yeah and it's also unfortunately from a lot of the the um, counselors and the people that I've spoken to is that the, the strong women are really the target market. Mm. Like they go for the strong ones because it creates that challenge and it creates that, that they think that they're not, because I don't think, I don't think um, men or, and even women, because of course there are personality types in the females that do it as well. But I don't think that's, that it's actually the intent to abuse or, no. or get on top of, I think it's they're looking for that equal. And as soon as they find someone and they want that really strong personality trait type, that is going to be their equal. And then they realize that, you know, there's, they need to regain that power and that's where it all comes in. Yeah. So, you know, I think that there's, yeah. And that's the thing with, with emotional abuse. People don't really believe it, it's, it's a thing because Unless it happens to you, unless you wake up in the mornings and they just that that odd statement of you do this or you do that or we had a fight once and I asked I asked my um, my ex if he could just start to treat me nicer. He said to me, "Well, I'll do this for you, but you're going to have to start to lose some weight eventually because that's what I need from you." <gasps> and I was like, "Within the same sentence, dude? Really?" Like- <laughs> My God. Yeah. And just little things like that where you think, okay, they love me, they're going to try. And, but, but just those subtle moments where they kick you, but you can't respond and say anything at that time because then you're going to arc up another fight. And so, yeah. and that's what it all is. It's that, it, it's that sort of this constant, you are walking around on eggshells because you're mm. trying to maintain them. Yeah. You're trying to keep the pace. Yeah, while trying to stand up for yourself. Yeah. It's impossible. It is. There's no, like, 
there's no, there's nothing good that you can really do in that situation because if you do nothing, if you do nothing, then it's bad for you because you're just kind of getting sucked in more and you're kind of also allowing that treatment. But if you respond, it gets worse. Yeah. I, I even think, to, to, I mean, I don't know because I, I used to put up with it to a certain point and then arc up and then put up with it and then say, no, no, this is too far. But I think even even the people that just let it happen, I think no matter what they do, then they're always, that there is always that constant level of tension and fear because it's the person in charge that is controlling and driving that that level of aggression. And if there's nothing for them to fight against, then they're not getting their fix. Yeah. So no matter what you do, if you try and lay low, they're still going to lift up the rock and go, I can see you and I don't like what you're wearing under that rock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's really, really hard. And I think, as you said, unless you've experienced it, um, you can't really understand it. But there's, there's also kind of a constant fear as well. Like I used to hide in the bathroom to talk to my parents when I was living in a different state to them because he, my ex hated, like he was very controlling and possessive of me. So he didn't want me talking to anybody. He really was quite like tried to isolate me from all my family and friends. Yeah. So for me to speak to my family, I would have to do it kind of in secret. Otherwise he'd be like, who are you speaking to? Why do you need to speak to them? You spoke to them last week, you know, and it just ended up being this huge argument. So I used to hide in the bathroom and I was like, at one point I was sitting there going, what am I doing? Like, why do I have to hide it? Like, this is ridiculous, you know? <laughs> yeah. So have these reality checks where you're like, this is not normal. Like, No, no, I'm, I'm with you. I had my, my friends eventually stopped calling of an evening because he would either take the phone off me and start a conversation with them or every time I, I was talking, he would try and join in via the third person. Like, yeah. So he'd be in the living room and I'd be on the phone and he'd be screaming out things that he would hear me say to try and join in the conversation. Oh, my God, that's really strange. And I was like, okay, no, <laughs> no, no. So it, it would be he was at work and that's when all my phone calls would happen. Yeah. And, and, and I remember exactly. one, what, yeah, one day I was in the car, car talking to a friend of mine and it, it, before it even came completely out of my mouth, I thought, oh, that's not right. And I said, I just wish he'd hit me. Mm. Like, I, I just wish he'd hit me. Because you think that may, would make, give you a reason or yeah. that would be like that would that, actually be in your head defined as domestic violence. Maybe. Yeah. And then yeah. I could go, okay, this isn't right. I can leave. But yeah. I, was, I was really, there was a few times and I, I said to my friend, I just wish he'd hit me. And then I thought, oh, okay. Because I really don't. No. Want to get hit in the head. But no. That's not a good sign if you're thinking that. No. So what... What cemented the decision for you then? Was there a certain incident or were you just... Yeah, it was heading towards it. Like it was every every two or three weeks was just more and more arguments and really horrible sort of ones. And I was, um, my youngest was only about eight or nine, nine months, really. Um, my oldest was not even two when it first sort of I first started to really work it out. And, um, and we, had a, we had an argument one night and it wasn't supposed to be an argument. It was supposed to be a conversation. The conversation was me saying, I'm, I'm really, I cannot handle how badly you're treating me and I need you to 
to put more effort into respecting me, please. And he said out of the blue, what are you really scared of? Like, I want to send you somewhere to do an adventure. What are you really scared of? And I said, "Uh, that's a bit random. What do you mean? I know. I was like, that's really random. I said, well, caving scares me. Random. And he went, I'm going to send you caving, which he'd never sent me anyway. Like his idea of making a plan, you, you wouldn't even do in your third life. But, um, but I said, hang on, well, why are you saying that? And he said, no, 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 the conversation is over and once you do that, then we can talk again. What? And I said, yeah, I said, no, that's, that's <laughs> not right. Like I, explain to me either why you want it or we've got to continue with the conversation. And he said, well, now you're getting shirty with me. And I said, well, you're being really annoying yeah. with the way you're doing it. And he jumped up and he said, you're an effing bitch, you're an effing mole and screamed it. <gasps> and then put his shoes on and stormed out of the house. Bloody hell. And that was, yeah, that was it for me. It wasn't like then I, then I had, I went and talked to, I, so I had supposed to have a week after that at Karatani because my boys weren't eating or sleeping properly. So I was going to go to Karatani and I was there for a night and it was about five days after this had happened. I was there for one night and then the second day my youngest got sick and they said, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to go home and we'll rebook you when both the kids are healthy. Oh, and I no. f- fell to my knees, literally fell to my knees, and I said, you cannot send me home to that man. Oh, my God. And they, um, I'm getting teary just thinking about it, actually. But then they, they picked me up and put me in another room and they both took the boys, the, the nurses took the boys and they sent me off to see a a counsellor and she, I described everything that was happening and she went, yeah, okay, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely DV and just went through the basics of it. So just so I had an understanding of really what was going on. Yeah. Um, and then I went home and um, within, and two days later, my oldest wasn't sleeping for his afternoon sleep and my ex came in and I was trying to get, my oldest down and he walked into my oldest room and he threatened to hit him if he didn't go to sleep. Oh my God. And I said, you, um, I said, you cannot threaten violence for them to do something that you want. And he said, you parent your way, I'll parent my way. And it just came out. I said, I don't want to be married to you anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was it. I mean, it took a little while to get out and there was ups and downs and yes and no's. Are we going to do it? Are we not? But I was gone within basically the month of me saying that yeah oh good on you I mean it's very very hard to do especially when you've got kids I can't even oh it's just like it's oh, really traumatic it, it is it makes me feel sick like just the thought of it I have I have friends of mine that discuss their relationships sometimes and I'm like oh that doesn't sound right and I'm, I, I think once you've been through something that extreme, you're also hypervigilant when people describe their relationships. Yes. And um, my friend was, was talking about having a baby and I was like, no, 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 I'm not doing it. Which is, yeah, in in no way my business, but yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was just like, please don't do this to yourself because I I love my children. I absolutely like every parent does, but Mm. I would never have chosen this. I didn't want to do it alone. No. I, I didn't want to. And it's not even the fact that I'm doing it alone. I'm doing it with someone that 
in, in no way am I capable of co-parenting with. And the, the boys are having such a different experience with the both of us. Mm. And I can see the effect that it's having and it, it's so stressful. Like It's very, very stressful co-parenting with someone like that. And it's really shit because we have to communicate with these people regularly, you know, for you know, well, at least until our children are 18 and then really they're going to be in our lives forever because we're always going to come across them when there's things relating to, you know, maybe our children will get married one day. They might have children. Yeah. Like who knows? We're always going to be tied to these people. It definitely makes it hard to co-parent with someone like that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's really, and I do know with, with everyone that tells you and, and you, you know, go out and seek help and it's like you just need, they just need one, one role model that is constant all the way through and your kids will be fine and they can have, they can have that level of, of you know, Not stress from another, from another parent but as long as you're straight, straight with them, it's all okay. And I, I totally know that and my brain flips to that every now and then but then my stressed out brain when you're dealing with the kids and they say something and you're like, Oh dear goodness. What? I know it's like, it's awful. And also it is. To deal with the repercussions of like, you know, how oh. they deal with things when they return to you. And they, exactly. Yeah, and you know, and how do you, how do you say that what has just happened is not right without bad mouthing their father? Because That's the challenge. That is the massive challenge. My, my youngest bit, my oldest when they were at the dad's and the response was then that he made my oldest bite his brother back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then got upset with him because he didn't bite him hard enough because my youngest really bit him. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was like, what? Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. It's so hard. Cause you don't want to be like, don't listen to daddy. <laughs> don't no. like, you can't, like it's really, really difficult to stay removed, but you're so emotionally invested in your kids. Yeah. You're like, what? But, but say you, that's not actually the way to do it. We don't respond like that. I mean, what happens if that ends up at school and somebody pegs something accidentally? Yeah. And then they just, they go, oh, well, if you're going to throw something at me, I'm just going to pick up this truck. Yeah. You know, exactly. batten down the hatches. Like, oh, that's going to be a great phone call to get. Thanks. I know. <laughs> it's so hard um, to co-parent. And then if you have different parenting styles... It's impossible to agree. You'll never yeah. agree. And then there's nothing you can really do except except that you can't really control what happens in someone else's house, you know? Like it's No. I don't have a problem with how he how he does it. Like he needs to do it his way and I need to do it my way and I totally get that. But it's those basic things where you think, really? Yeah, and like we, he won't even he won't even have a conversation with me about these sort of things. It always turns into abuse and nastiness. So I've just given up. It's just, yeah. but I just find it really like, you know, certain things that they do. Okay, they do it at their house, and that's fine. That's I, I don't have a problem with it. But really, biting back. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Although, yeah, I've heard of parents that bite their kids. I know. I wouldn't do it personally, but. I think my mother actually did it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Explains so much of, you know, who I married, but I just. <laughs> but you turned just, out great, so. <laughs> yes, yes. Despite it all, no. <laughs> Definitely had its moments there too, but. Yeah. So, so when you were in this sort of, um, 
relationship with your ex? Did did you open up to your family and friends about what was happening or did you try and keep it a secret? Um, I, no, I, I've always been quite open. Um, I, I, I did, but the person that they saw and the person that I was describing really conflicted. So yeah. my friends didn't get too involved until one friend tried to. Actually, she did try to early on. Uh, well, two friends. One of them he got rid of. My, my closest friend, he created a massive drama and mm. we eventually stopped speaking. Um, but another friend, I was telling her something and I actually sent her messages that he had sent me. Cause you always know your marriage is great when you're text messaging and Facebook messaging an argument. Yes. Like, there, there's a great moment if you yeah. can't even talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Winning there. So she had actually sent me, um, an article that she had found on emotional abuse. So that had been in my, in my head for, I don't know, maybe six months, but I, I, I put it at the back of my brain to once again, oh, that doesn't happen to me and, and that can't be right. And I just mm. wasn't ready at that mm. stage. Yeah, um, it takes time. Yeah. And so my, my parents knew that it wasn't always roses, but my father even witnessed a major argument and it made excuses for him. Mm. Um, so, no, they weren't. They, they, they would have supported me to stay. Although, yeah. mind you, my parents also did support me very well to leave for the first couple of months. It was, I don't think I could have done it without them. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. like you said, it's, um, it is hard for people to comprehend because a lot of people, they're very, um, especially the narcissistic ones, they're so good at putting mm-hmm. on a different persona to everybody else and then no one can really believe what you're, what's happening at home, you know. Yep. I can't see it. So how did how did your so your parents and your family your family and your friends they reacted okay when you told them that you were separating? Yeah, I um a lot of people had sort of hit the sidelines a little bit because as you know in, in these relationships you become quite isolated. Mm. Um, so when I'd left, I had you know, contacted some old friends and I just sort of let them know what was going on and I had nothing but support and um and really honest support as well like it wasn't just okay that's really sad there was quite a lot of you know phone calls and I'm coming over more so at the beginning like once you settle into it you never see anyone (laughs) (laughs) but at the beginning you know people were around a a lot and which is really important because once you put your kids to sleep you've just got your own head to think about and it's I the the first couple of months was just torture yeah um, yeah, and, and my ex and I were pretending to make it work, which is at the, for the first couple of months while I was out until it was really obvious it was never going to. So that was, it was good to have people sort of talking, yeah. talking it through. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So how old were your kids at that, at that point? <sighs> um, just over two and not even one. He turned one a month after we'd left. Yeah. And do you think they could sense the yes. stress in your relationship? My oldest, definitely. My oldest is, is um, my youngest, no. I don't even know if he would have realised had he been older because his personality, I have, I have chalk and cheese. Oh, my gosh, I have chalk and cheese <laughs> for children. They're amazing. Yeah. But my oldest is really sensitive, really empathetic and really, um, really cautious 
really, really cautious. And I, I dare say that it had a lot to do with what the house environment was. Mm. Um, and my youngest is a, you know, is a bull at a gate or yeah. a bull in a china shop. My youngest is just a bull <laughs> running on the streets, chasing down people wearing red. <laughs> he's, he's a bull. He's so funny. Um, yeah, so I do. I do think that they that they picked up on it. I think more so after we left and the the tension and the aggression, and there was some clear differences that you know Daddy had taken on parenting wise because they saw him a lot more one on one than they ever had when we'd been married. Yeah. Um. So that also came into play. Um. And it also it it for the first couple of months even even up to now sometimes my stress levels become quite high you know yeah. and so mummy can yell every now and then and then mummy spends the next 25 minutes explaining why that's not okay yeah <laughs> and no, nobody should ever speak to you like that and I'm very sorry I did but if you could just get into bed right now I'd yeah. really appreciate it <laughs> look I think uh, I'll do it I lose my shit a lot more than I <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have a sticker chart. I have a sticker chart for when mummy doesn't yell. And when I do yell, my boys now go, well, you're not getting a sticker. (laughs) (laughs) Every now and then I'll go, and it was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) So how, um, how's the relationship changed with your ex since you've separated is it still a sort of ongoing oh battle <laughs> yeah um yeah no like we we barely speak he refuses to go to mediation or or will take me to court for parenting orders in place so there mm. are no orders mm. um I keep trying to say let's get back to mediation because he, he brings the boys home at nine o'clock at night and think mm. that thinks that that's acceptable, and it's just not with toddlers. No. Um, so, but there's no nothing I do um, is going to help that situation. So now I just kind of I, I I accept it for what it is because I can't afford to take us to court. I I really don't want to go through that process I, at all. Yeah. yeah. I just want to be able to sit down and have an honest, truthful conversation, but. You know, I still get messages from him saying it's so clear that you're still harboring issues about our our breakup. And then, you know, in the exact same message, you stole my children from me. I'm like, really? Pick one. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you think I am here? Because it's just, and that's all me saying we can't make any changes until we go to mediation. But there's yeah. no, there's there's no friendliness. There's nothing, absolutely nothing. It's really hard. It's like that with my ex as well. And I wish that he would go to mediation with me. I wish that so much and I tried it. He had no interest. It's frustrating because you just want to go so that you can work out something, you know, at least being able to communicate with each other and put, putting something sort of a plan mm-hmm. in place for the kids. It's, um, yeah, it's really frustrating. Yeah, I know. Because the kids are getting older and he's still, he's still share housing with people. So, you know, he doesn't do any overnights and there's no way I would let overnights with a share house that he picks up from the internet. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just, but you bring that up and it's the abuse of I'm never going to mediation. We can mediate together and then sends me a little dic- dictionary cut and copy of what mediation means. 
No, I, I do know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, but it's, it is so hard. And I don't even, to be, I don't think even if we went to mediation that that would be successful. I think if he was willing to push it that far, unfortunately, would probably end up in court, which is just my, my greatest fear because yeah. it just doesn't need to be there. No. Um, it's hard. It's really hard. It is. So how how did you feel when you became a single mum? Well, apart from the overwhelming financial stress of, oh, my goodness, now it's all up to me, mm. um, and that, that, and I think it's, this is the only negative part for me about being a single mum of that loneliness, you know, when your child does something. Yes. And it's hysterical. And you can't And you look it. around, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, that's really sad because I, I that was, you know, that's a big part of who I am. Yeah. I'm going to talk about my children, like everybody. Everybody yeah. is the exactly same. But, you know, taking away those two things, I, I feel great about it. I feel I feel that I definitely made the right decision. Um, I feel my, my kids have an incredible level of, of empathy and maturity for their age. You know, I've, I've still got the chalk and cheese aspect of it, which is definitely hardcore sometimes, but um, I love it. And I, I think that I am a better mother than I ever would have been without this level of um, difficulty in it. Yeah. Because not only has it, am I now a single mum, but I'm a much more aware parent because I was in a relationship when I thought, do I want to raise my kids in this environment? And it, exactly. Yeah. It, it makes you really question what you want to impart to your children and the sort of children that you want, the sort of adults that you want them to become. Exactly. Um, yeah. So without it, I don't think that I ever would have been able to do that, which means that my kids wouldn't be giving, you know, wouldn't be getting 110% yeah. of the options. You know? Well, you're definitely, you know, sh- you're a great role model to them and you're showing them strength and you're also teaching them that it's not acceptable to, te- to treat women that way and that, yeah. you know, it's not something that you are going to put up with. If you had stayed in that relationship the message that you would have been sending to those boys is that this is how men treat women in a relationship mm-hmm. and women just have to accept it, you know, that sort of thing. So I think you've yeah. done really well. Yeah, that's, um, that was, that was it. And it was, it was, I think, I think with kids, well, with narcissism for, for one thing, it, there is a genetic side of it. So you're going to raise either another narcissist or you're going to raise a passive person that thinks mm-hmm. that that personality is the only thing that they can really connect with. And, you know, I had two kids. I had a 50-50 shot like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't do that to either of them. No. No, I think it's you've done the right thing. Now, you started a business. Tell me about that yes. because I know that was a huge part of probably helping you with your adjustment of becoming a single mum. Yeah, it did. It did. So when, um, and it also probably, um, because one of the, one of the weeks that I told you about, so there was the week between I'm, you know, I don't want to be married to you anymore and actually leaving. We were, we were trying it again 
and I said, I really want to start this business, but mm. I want to be in charge. So you can be a part, we'll do it together, but I'm the captain of the ship, which apparently is not the language that certain people want to hear. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he, he came back and said, and said to me, we need to work on our marriage first. You need to work on our marriage first was actually what he said. Oh, you God. need to work on our marriage first. I'm not going to let you start this business yet. He's not going to let you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Mm, okay. So as soon as I left, my intention was to to try and get it started, not only because I knew that I was on a a winner with the company, but also because if you do figures, I'd been out of the workforce. So I'd been a stay-at-home parent for three, almost three years um, because I hadn't worked since I was early on in my pregnancy, I had got a background in tourism, uh, tourism management, managing. So I used to, I was on a plane every couple of months. Yeah. So, um, there's no way I was going to walk back into a position like that. And there was no way I could have walked back into a position like that traveling. No. So you look at childcare fees for two kids in Sydney on a, like with a job, there's no way I would have been able to, I would have had to start at the bottom rung again. Yeah. I was like, I just can't. There's no way I can do this. So so I thought, okay, I'm just gonna hang it all and try and become an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. An entrepreneur. And so, you've done brilliantly. Tell, I, I have. Tell us about <laughs> it. Because I think it's a fantastic invention. Okay, thank you. It, yes. I'm um, okay, so it's it's Mama's Little Helpers is my business. And we, I've started with the first product, which is the high chair food catcher. So it's, it's like a giant like fabric bowl that sits under your chair. And the reason that I like it, the few products are coming out now, everything comes in waves. So I was literally just part of a wave and I hadn't realized, but there are a few products that sit around the high chair and um, you can attach them in different ways, but your, your child is touching them and he's always on them. Whereas my product it sits underneath the chair so your, your baby isn't anywhere affected by it in any way because my youngest would have hated touching yeah. something all the time. Yeah. Um, and so all of the food just drops down and that includes the throw-in food because it's got such a large scoop. A lot of the throws actually catch and fall yeah. into the catcher as well. And then all you do at the end of it, so when they're finished eating, you just take them out clean everything down, drop it all into the catcher and then get a bowl and scoop it out and throw it in the bin and you're done. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I'd known about that when I had my daughter in a high chair because I think I met you when my daughter would have been a, probably one and a half or something. Yeah. Getting out of the high chair. But, it, yeah, I mean, they're brilliant. Did you come up with it? I did. I did. I came up with it because of my youngest because he was – he was just crazy. As I said, he's, um, you know, he's a, he's a very entertaining child and he likes to make his mark and that started off with food. And it was just because of where the high chair was and I used to do the splat mat for my, for my oldest, but I would find the splat mat just as stressful yeah. because people still walk through it. So it's still the floor, you know, yeah. ultimately. So it's not clean, it's not sanitary and people are still walking through it and you've got to get to it quickly before you put your child down because otherwise they crawl through it. And so yeah. you're getting that, you're picking that up, you're running that outside, you're shaking that off, hoping to goodness that you don't let a whole bunch of food go to that, you know, going to attract cockroaches and everything that will then come yeah. into the house. And then you've got to wipe it down or wash it down and, and do what you need to do. And that's so much effort. Yeah. 
And then when my youngest was around, of course, my oldest was a toddler. So he was, he was constantly running to and forth and sort of jumping around. So trying to deal with both of them with the mess on the floor was just too much. It was yeah. just too much. So I needed to get it up. Um, so oh. it took me up off the floor. Mm. It was just huge for me. That was, what I, that was my main aim. And then I, I did a couple of trials and it eventually got bigger and bigger and wrapped around the legs of the chair. And then um, I tested it and I sent out, I sent out five to mum friends of mine that were all sort of around the same age group. And it was very funny because for me it was just going to be fabric. Yeah. Um, because I, we always had like the BB cups and the ones with the little straws, so I never had any leak problems. And one of the very first things that a mum said to me was, I feed my child with cups and we've had three water accidents since. And I was like, ah, it needs to be waterproof. Isn't that interesting? Never yeah. would have occurred to me. So it was a lot to be said for, you know, sending it out and getting some tests. But yeah. Some yeah. Yeah. So because everyone does things differently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So, no, it's going really well. So, you know, we've won a few awards where where um, I'm now in Spain. I've got distributors in Spain, in the Middle East. I've got New Zealand. Um, I've just got someone from Mexico. Um, amazing. Yeah, the Philippines and Indonesia are looking into it now. And um, England and America, of course, are going to be the big ones, but it's hard to find a distributor there and I, I can't, I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to do the starting sort of process. Because yeah. I'm just, I'm, it's just me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think it's amazing. I'm so proud of you. I think it's such a cool thing for a single mom to do. Do you know, there's so many successful single moms and I think it's because we've got that extra bit of motivation yep. that Definitely. we want to do something that's flexible as well, because we can't do everything, you know, we're only one person. So it's yep. good to do something where you can work from home and be a mum, you know, because that's our main priority at the end of the day, but we need to make some money. <laughs> we do. But, yeah. And I, I just also think, I, I don't think that the world is quite ready for where we all are, if that makes sense. I mean, everyone talks about, and the government with all of their new rules and regulations and, and you need to have jobs within, like you need to have jobs within school hours. You need to have flexible hours, but the businesses just aren't providing that. No. So we have to do it ourselves. And, and being in, in situations like this and being parents, not even just single parents, but just parents, like you can see answers to questions that people just hadn't asked. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's so many services out there that, that didn't exist from now on, even you, your service. Like that's fantastic. It, but we're answering those questions and we're providing, we're providing the help that you, you, you need, but people didn't think to ask. Yeah. You only yeah. really, it's funny how it's only when you yourself have a problem where you're like, and then yeah. you have a solution, you know? Yep. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. exactly right. But yeah. it's also one of those things, and I said this um, to a friend of mine recently, is that your idea, if you've got your idea right now, you better get started because someone's going to have the exact same idea tomorrow. Exactly. And, um, yeah, I always look at the, um, you know, when you go to Woolworths and they've got the, the, the buckets of fruit and they say you can, yeah. your child can have a piece of fruit on us. That yeah. was my idea three really? years ago. Well, it wasn't my idea. I didn't sell it to them. But I, <laughs> I thought of that three years ago and went, this, is, this could be a great concept for, you know, Woolies and, and Coles to do this. And then lo and behold, two years later, out it comes. Yeah. 
I'm like, you never have a, an original idea anymore. There's- exactly. You've got to jump on that opportunity yep. when you get the chance. And that's the difference between thinkers and doers, you know, because yep. so many people think about things and they're like, oh, that would be a good idea, but they never actually do it. And then they do say things like what you just said. And then, you know, it's like, well, you didn't do anything about it. So exactly. Know, so then it, it. It, it didn't, it didn't really happen. And I think that's what, and I, this is generalization. I don't fully know, but this is what I would suggest changes when you become a single mum is that you actually become a doer yes. because I, I was always a thinker and had my marriage been okay, even just mediocre and, and it didn't fall apart more than likely my food catcher would have stayed at the back of my mind until I turned on a website one day and somebody else had released it. Yeah. And you would have like, been pissed off. I would have been, and I would have gone, mm, mine was better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it definitely propels you into, into doing things and into try and trying to make a difference and living your life because now we have to be the example of every aspect for our kids. Exactly. You know, when I was at home on maternity leave, I kept thinking about business ideas because I was just thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to, you know, work full time? It's going to be Monday to Friday. It's going to be long hours. You know, I want to be a mum mainly. Like how, and I just kept thinking of business ideas and I couldn't think of one. My advice is to anyone who is, if you're listening right now and you're pregnant, <laughs> you're going to be a single mom. <laughs> Start brainstorming your ideas because now is the perfect opportunity to get something going. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It, it definitely, definitely is. And especially in the first six months when they're just cuddly. Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> once they're toddlers, it's yeah, you won't do anything. Yeah. So, was there anything else that helped you adjust to become a single mom or what helped you? Um, I. I went out and I got a lot of help. Like I got a lot of therapy to start with the first six months, especially. Yeah. I, and that was, I, I honestly believe the, the, for anyone that is going through this and in Sydney, the deli, um, mm. women's and children's services, I, I believe in many ways they say they saved my life. They saved your sanity you know, and my sanity. They really went, okay, this is the roadmap. Yeah. Um, and this is what you're looking at. And just simple things like on call phone calls of me ringing my counselor and saying, this has just been said to me, is that even remotely true? And then, you know, her going through the language that's used. So controlling language is really an interesting thing now and you can see it. Mm. Um, once you get that knowledge base, you can see what's going on and, and it just helps you emotionally regulate. Yeah. Um, so that was a big thing for me. The other thing was an, an old acting friend from, um, from my acting school days, which thanks for that. But, <laughs> um, but another one had actually st- just started to become a coach and he sent out a, he was looking for people to do, you know, some coaching with for free because I wouldn't be able to afford that. And so I sent him a message and he, he helped me. So I said, you know, we worked towards a goal of me getting my business up and running by the 20th of January, 2015. And, and that was my focus. And he really helped in terms of, okay, now I want you to focus on this aspect and that aspect. And just, just kind of helped me collate my brain because I work yeah. better with people. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the hardest thing with my business is it's just all me. And I also, I've started a university degree as well. So I'm, studying full-time and I'm working my business and I've got the boys. That's amazing. What are you studying? 
I'm studying a Bachelor of Business because when I started, um, when Spain contacted me as a distribution, I really had no idea, like, what the... <laughs> what to do. Yeah. No. So I thought I might have to go and do a business degree. And I, I figure as I, you know, as I get along and the business grows, the only way is up. The more you learn, the more you know, of course. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it's just giving me a really good rounding sort of view of, you know, media and marketing and, and advertising and accounting and um, the legal aspects of it. So it's really, like, it's really interesting, but it is completely full on. Yeah. Um, and all of that requires me to be very self-motivated. Mm. And that's never been my strong suit. It is hard. But I think, like you said, like, you know, you do have that motivation now you're on a mission yeah. and because there's nobody else to rely on. So no, no. yeah, I think that that would make you a lot more motivated, but also that's what I like about coaching because it's quite action based right where, you know, counseling and psychology is very much like focusing on the past and, yep. um, you know, dwelling on and analyzing on that and coaching is right. How can we move forward? to yep. create something positive and let's put a plan into place, you know? I, yeah. Right. I have to tell you, before my experience with my coach, um, with, with, with Dave, oh, what was it now? Yeah, just after I separated. So just before we started the business at the end of 2014, I did have that kind of common opinion of, oh, what's a coach? Really? <laughs> and then, and now, I'm, now I'm all for singing the praises of it because he was brilliant and it just creates that that other person that you are um accountable to because yeah. you're they're working with you and it and you know that you have to be sort of you have to have the answers the next day because otherwise they're going to ask you why not and you're going to need to work out you know if you should lie yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'd be like oh okay but no i'm i'm all for it i think it's i think it's a great great thing and i think with what you're doing with single moms i i I would have got so much out of that at the time because I, I just needed to be held accountable because otherwise yeah. you wallow and you, you don't do. know what to do and you don't know. It all becomes overwhelming. I remember I fed the, the boys once and then ran into the bedroom and just bawled my eyes out for 20 minutes mm. until my oldest came and patted me on the head. Aww. You know you've reached a good point in your life when you, your <laughs> child comes and pats you yeah. on the head and goes there, there, and you go, oh. <laughs> well, I've raised good kids, that's so but I th funny. think I should get up. At least <laughs> he's empathetic, definitely. That's that's. Oh, it is, it is. <laughs> but it's so hard at the beginning, and then you put them, you put them to bed, and you think, oh my gosh, have I done the right thing? And I don't have anyone to tell the tell, you know, yeah. how difficult brushing teeth time was, and you know, mm -hmm. just those silly conversations that you think are so mundane. They're so important as a parent. Yeah, even just questioning yourself about what you're doing and, oh, should yep. I think I should give them Panadol, you know, like something so yep. simple. Yeah. You have to yep. make that decision by yourself all the time. So Do we, do we have to go to the hospital? I spent yeah. more time in the emergency um, after I left with, again, my youngest. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I'm always saying it. That <laughs> um, yeah, because I was, there was a level of just terror if mm. something was to go wrong. Mm. Um and there was just that level of I, I just don't know, so I'm, so I'm just going to take him. But yeah. well, that's always a good option. It's better to be safe than sorry. So uh, yeah, but you know when you when you sort of when you've got that other person to 
to bounce it off, you go, okay, well, I'll be on child two duty, you be on child one duty and, and you go, you, know, you work through it together. But when yeah. you're, when you're on your, on your own, you're like, get me to a professional now. Yeah. Well, I think everybody should have a coach. I think it's great. I've got a coach. I've got like it, but mine's a business coach. And um, it's the same thing. You kept accountable, you work out your plan, you know, and it just, um, yeah, it works well. You've got to kind of invest in yourself, I think. It Uh, it does. Well, the way the world is going, you know, there's there's more small businesses um, opening every year in Australia. We're like 47% or something. Wow. And then over, I think it's almost over 50% of that number is mums. Yeah. You know, and so if they don't have someone to bounce ideas off, you, you've got a higher chance of failing because it is hard. Yeah. So and hard. yeah, you need it. You just need it. You need someone, you know, to go, okay, you need to do this. Why? I didn't do it because it was sports day. Well, that's not good yeah. enough. You need to find a time around it. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So how long did it take you to feel good, you know, about life, you know, like when you really felt sort of good about yourself and in a good space? Oh, that goes in waves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that goes in waves. I think, um, I think just after my business started and I had some really good successes um, at the beginning, um, so I was being picked up by a few magazines. Uh, people were showing interest. So that was that was good. My 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 feeling good about myself, probably a little bit still, but definitely at the beginning was dependent on the success that I was feeling. It wasn't just I feel good about myself because you know I am strong and I'm independent and I'm you know all of these great things. So th- I do ride that wave of of how the externals are going because I think after after being in a relationship that is really emotionally abusive and they batter you down, it, I don't think I'm fully recovered from that yet. No, it takes time. Yeah. And when you start dating as well, you'll probably notice that old issues might sort of resurface. So oh, Yeah, I, I did have a I did have a small relationship last year with an old friend and it was, it was too difficult. It was way too difficult. I just couldn't, I just couldn't sort of, I I couldn't give enough time to, to him and my children. And I, I don't know if I actually want to be in another relationship while I'm raising like my boys while they're young. Cause I just, I couldn't, I just, I, I just don't know. Maybe he was the wrong person, but yeah. I think so. Yeah. It's, yeah, you might not want to, or you might not be in the right headspace yet. Yeah. But well, I'm, I'm terrified of what will happen if, if another party comes into it and how my ex will respond. That, which I think in that aspect, he still has that power over me. I think so. I think, um, you know, I, was talking to my lawyer actually about this a couple of years ago and he said to me at the time, I think you're too scared to move on with your life and to date in case what might happen, you know, what, yeah. what are the, going to be the consequences? And when he said that, I thought, oh, my God, I think he's right. And at that sort of point, I thought, you know what, Why he does not control what I do anymore and he has should have no impact on my life, you know, like in terms of things like that. I yeah. don't want to turn around in five years and go, oh, you know what, I, I, I wanted to have more children. I didn't get to do that because I was scared of how, how he would react, you know. So, 
yeah, it's hopefully you can move past that soon because you don't want that to impact on your future. No, no, I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend it right now though. But, um, but, but yeah, one day, one day I've, one I've day. just joined a, just joined a gym, a gym. I have this really horrible habit of, um, of eating my stress. So full-time uni is very stressful and my pants are very tight. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm no good to anyone in the current state that I am. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was talking to this um, woman earlier today. Her name is Adeline Err and she was um, on my podcast as well. And she is like a meal prep ninja and like a health coach and a personal trainer and everything. And we were talking about healthy snacks and she's like, what do you like to snack on? And I was like, um, Doritos. (laughs) Doritos. <laughs> I had like a whole bag of Doritos yesterday. <laughs> yeah, not the healthiest. It's but. not the healthiest. Mine is Coca-Cola and I actually oh. don't even like Coca-Cola. But when yeah. I get stressed and I'm working sort of to the wee hours of the night, I will get through a bottle of Coke. So, and without even thinking about it. So yeah. I, I, I just... I went from a pretty healthy weight range to really not healthy at all in a very short period of time. And then I, I, especially when I had this awards night the other night and Carrie Ann Kennelly (laughs) handed me the award. That's my, and it was hilarious. I, I, I actually could have stood in front of her and you wouldn't even be able to see her. (laughs) Like, This is, this is not good, Lindsay. You need to do something about that. But, um, it's hard yeah. to put, yeah, it's hard to focus on you when you've got so much going on, especially when you've got your own business because it's quite consuming. You know, there's always stuff to be done and then you're studying as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, what, like, when I get all of that sorted out and I can look in the mirror and not be ashamed of myself, I love myself for who I am right now, but I would like to fit into the proper size pants, um, I will probably look at dating once again. Yeah. So watch out, world. Yeah, watch because out. Because between eight and ten, I'll have a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> Before you, like, crash because you're tired. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Do you want another drink? No. <laughs> I've got to go to bed. Maybe a cup of yeah. tea. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Um, so something that I like to finish on when I have single mum guests is what is the best thing that you found being a single mum? Best thing that I found being a single mum, oh, that relationship between your children and you is so precious. Mm, the bond. And yeah, the bond is just, I love that. I love sort of as they're getting older and they're becoming these little men and they're just amazing. Mm. They're just amazing. So for me, that's my, that's my favourite. That bond that I have with my kids, I just, I think is, is irreplaceable. I think so too. I, I was saying to someone the other day, like I think I don't think I would have the bond with my daughter if um, her dad and I hadn't split up. And then, I, you know, I think all mothers yeah. obviously have a great bond with their kids, but I think single mums have just got that little bit of extra X factor or something in there, you know, because especially yeah. the ones that we've got our kids the majority of the time, yep. um, you're a team. You, you are. And they know that you're there for that. My, my, my oldest said to me the other day, I said, can you put your, um, can you put your shirt in the laundry basket? And he picked it up. 
And he stormed towards the laundry basket, <laughs> threw it in the basket. And he said to me, I am so sick and tired of being the only one that does anything around this house. <laughs> and I thought, I must say that a lot yeah. <laughs> because you said that perfectly. And then I just laughed because that's the, like he feels completely comfortable that he can just put that on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's five, just he's, he's He's giving me curry. He was so funny about it. I'm so, I'm so sick and tired. And it was the exact words. And that's just not something that I would have got had I been, you know, in the house. So it was just, it was so funny. I I could not stop laughing. I had to walk out of the room because I was like, you've just mocked me so badly and so well. And I'm really proud of that, but don't do it again. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, I better let you go, but um, thank, thank you, you for so, having me. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and thank you for being so open. You know, I know that a lot of mums will get so much out of this, so it's so nice for them, you know, for everybody not to feel like they're alone. So I really, really appreciate Absolutely. it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I love listening to the podcast. They always make me smile. Oh, good. That's good. I'm so happy. Um, And I'm going to put all your links um, in the show notes in case anybody wants to buy one of those amazing food catchers. It's mamaslittlehelpers.com.au and same name on Facebook and Instagram, but I'll put the, I'll put the, um, the links there in the show notes so people can just click on it directly. Perfect. So thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Lindsay Bramble. She is amazing. And, you know, for anybody who is a single mom, sometimes it is a good idea to, you know, start your own business because it is hard. It's logistically hard to be a single mom. And like I was saying before, when I was talking to Lindsay, it's a really good idea to start thinking about when you're pregnant. Um, you know, you just never know what idea you might come up with. Just brainstorm ideas because it's going to make your life so much easier. Um, anyway, check out Lindsay's Instagram, Mama's Little Helpers, and her website. I'll put the links in the show notes. And she is on Facebook as well under Mama's Little Helpers. I would love it if you guys could rate this podcast. You just go to your podcast app on your iPhone. On the bottom right-hand side, you click search, you type single mother survival guide, and then the podcast episodes will come up. Below that are the podcasts. Um, There, obviously, you click on single mother survival guide. The other two are podcasts that I've actually been interviewed on. They're both great podcasts. You can check them out. But for the purpose of rating or reviewing my podcast, you click on single mother survival guide podcast, then you click on reviews, and then you can press write a review. And then you just need to put in your iTunes password. You can then leave your name, but you don't have to. And then you could either rate this podcast or write a review. And I would love it if you could do that because it means that other people can find this podcast easier. So it's great for new single parents to find something that they can relate to and get some advice from. So that'd be much appreciated. Uh, Don't forget to have a look at the Single Mother Survival Guide website. You'll find lots of great resources there. You can find out the different mentoring programs that I offer for single parents. Um, you know, there's a few different options. I also do more customized ones if you don't fall into any of the categories. But 
the ones that the sort of the ones that I normally run are uh, crossroads, which is for parents who are deciding whether to leave leave their partner or spouse. Then there is one which is basically when you become a new single parent and you're like, what the heck do I do now? It's breakup recovery and new beginnings. And then there's a third one which is called Don't Just Survive, Thrive, which is all about getting your life on track and really, you know making something really positive of your situation and not sort of just dealing with this groundhog day of day in, day out, everything is the same and not feeling very motivated. So it's actually, um, it's my favorite program to do because it's really about making the most of your life and setting some really good goals for yourself and really making the most of every single opportunity that you have and doing something really good with yourself and not sort of becoming a victim or seeing yourself as a victim in life because you're a single parent. You know, there's no reason why you can't have an absolutely amazing life and achieve anything you set out and that you want to achieve, if not more, you know. So, yeah, so have a look at those. There's also a link to the Single Mother Survival Guide Support Forum, which is a Facebook group. If you need some online support, just click on that and I can... Uh, prove your request to join that and otherwise you can connect with me on social media i'm on instagram single mother survival guide and on facebook um, as single mother survival guide too anyway it was lovely to chat to Lindsay. so thanks again to Lindsay for being so open and for her time and i'll speak to you guys next week okay bye